How's it going? Welcome to the Swallow Your Dreams podcast. I am your host, as always, Kirk Carlson. Thank you, return listeners, mom, friends, friends, moms, you know who you are, and all the new listeners. I'm pretty fucking upset about this episode only because I normally double check the audio every time before I record. And this time I did not. So all those new listeners, I promise you the quality of audio on this episode is not how it normally sounds like. But the great news is the quality of content behind Harley Faye, our guest on this episode, is still very good. Harley is a good friend of mine here in Los Angeles. He is in management, has had experience at another production company, Appian Way, the company started by Leonardo DiCaprio and is a past baseball player. He was hopeful to make something of it, make it to the majors, make it to the minors, be more than than what he ended up doing. He unfortunately had to hang it up and, you know, pursue entertainment, which is still a fun thing to do, and not to say that he won't get a chance to be part of baseball again one day. Harley is beyond work. He's a funny guy. Always got a smile on his face and fun to be around. Um, should I, I? I don't think I need to compliment him anymore, right? I've done a good job of complimenting. He's tall, broad shoulders, cute smile. No, just, all, that, that is all true, but um, I'll continue on. Just wanted to bring back the shitting your pants of the week story. The submission from Ameka Awuzi was playing soccer in high school, going for the corner kick. It's a wet and rainy day. Goes up, takes the kick, misses the goal, but the ball comes back, and as he jumps in the air to hit the ball, and upon impact with his feet to the ground, the shit is released into his pants. Yeah, that's what happened. He ran off the field to the bathroom. The game was not over. So they had to play with how many many people in soccer? Is it 10? play with nine for the rest of the game i don't know i, I don't maybe 11 people in soccer or i don't know um but anyways thank you mecca for sharing your shitting your pants story i encourage other listeners to dm me with your shitting your pants stories everyone has done it whether they like to admit it or not so and you guys can do it anonymously if you'd like don't forget to rate and review on apple podcasts spotify soundcloud and anywhere else you listen to podcasts Without further ado, enjoy. Quiet on set, places everybody, and action. <clears throat> Swallow your dreams. Disappointed in the way that game turned out. Just my bracket got fucked. Yeah, I mean, what wasn't it like the first day that everyone's? I actually, actually, I think I made it past the first day. Mine you did. was mine was like round of maybe like the Sweet Sixteen round. Like, I mean, that's not bad. Duke, I had Duke, North Carolina, 
Tennessee and Michigan going to the Final Four and not one of my other Final Four. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's always how it goes. It's like one in who knows how many. It's March is, it's like crap, dude. You can't wait yeah. for it and you're just disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good old crack. Exactly. Um, well, cool. So we got Harley Fane here. You are an executive assistant, correct? Yes. I, well, I, well, I was an executive assistant for okay. the last year at Appian Way. Yeah, that's um, what I thought. And, and now I am I'm a floater at Brewski. Okay, cool. So we we will back up even further in that, yeah, yeah. Um, and go to born and raised. Um, what your parents did. You're you're right. You're up in um, Sherman. Uh, Studio uh, City. Studio City. I yeah. always see Sherman Oaks. Um, yeah, you were born and raised there, right? Born and raised Studio City. Yes, it was. I want to. S- it's not like I wouldn't compare it to like a Beverly Hills situation. Yeah. You know, but it's, it is. It's, it's a, a little wealth. more suburban than it's. Uh, yeah, it's suburban, but it's also like, it's like if you combined Berkeley with Beverly Hills. <laughs> yeah. It's as liberal as as Berkeley, but yeah. probably as wealthy as Beverly Hills. It's yeah. yeah, it is. It's a very nice, very you know clean place. Yeah, it is. yeah, not that area at all. No, all the studio, uh, two two studios are up there, or three maybe. Yeah, Universal, Warner Brothers, and Disney. Is it? Is, uh, no. no. Well, they part a, of Disney. Disney Animation is up okay. there, I believe. Yeah. And then, yeah. But, yeah, so you grew up there. Um, what did parents do? So, my mom, who's actually from Michigan, uh, went to the University of Michigan, came out here to UCLA for graduate school, uh, became a teacher. She actually worked at Gersh for three years. She really? was an assistant, and then she became <laughs> a junior agent, and was just... Over it? Not about... You know what? Some people aren't just... They're just yeah. not made for this industry. They're really not. Yeah, but um, that's, I mean, it's funny that it took her three years to figure that out. I think, I think it was more that she was young and excited, just yeah, moved to LA. Yeah, and it, it is, ex- yeah, especially and it when was, you're in You a- know what? And it was, she, and she said, you know, even life as an assistant, you know, it was fun when you're like, you don't know what you want to do yet. So it's like, she got this job and it was great and she met a lot of great people. But I think she knew from a very early age that she wanted to be in education. Okay, yeah. yeah. And now she, you know, she runs one of the a really prestigious private school in Hollywood. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, and then dad? Dad, uh, dad's an interesting one. Dad had no idea what he wanted to do for a while. He was a really good basketball player, played in college. At oh. All. My height, 5'11", <laughs> 6 yeah. feet, you know, but he rep, he represented. Yeah, you know, absolutely. He, uh, he played with Stuart Gray and Darren Day, actually, in high school. Two guys okay. who played in the NBA. Uh, born in New York, moved out here. Went to Boston for school, uh, majored in, in film. Uh, came back out here, worked a bunch of assistant jobs, you know, really grinded. Yeah. But by the time he was about 27, 28, you know, he was a VP at a production company. And then by the time he was, I want to say he was 35, he was president of Collision Entertainment, which was under Miramax. Mm. deal with Miramax. He worked there for God knows how long. Now he's, free, now he's freelance, but, you know, it's... Uh, freelance how just um so right well, he does a lot of transmedia stuff now so it's not just developing you know tv shows and writing you know films it's how can this be successful across all platforms of social media yeah you know what i'm saying like creating a comic book into creating a book into creating a tv series and creating a virtual reality experience just kind of across all you know platforms yeah. and that's kind of his focus now which is kind of cool you know it's it's not really my cup of tea, but I mean, it's there's it works, a lot of money in it, and there's you know, and you have to be really creative to do it. Mm-hmm. So, it's, so when, I mean, guess when you were growing up, did they kind of 
obviously it, it influenced you somehow. Yeah. But did they intentionally be like, hey, you should look at this. This shit's No, 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 no. I think it was more the fact that growing up here, if you grew up yeah. in LA, it's kind of hard to not yeah. have it at one point. You're like, oh, like, how cool would it be to be an actor or a director? Yeah. Or like, those thoughts always rush through your head. I feel like if you grew up here in New York, Chicago, maybe, like, those things have to kind of run through your head. But for me, no, I had no desire to be in the entertainment industry. I was a baseball player. Yeah. So I was, uh, you know, from two to 22. I had no desire to be in the entertainment industry. Uh, and then when I graduated college, I didn't get drafted. Um, but did you, you, you entered the draft? You... So I, I trained to go overseas and play. Okay. And that was like, I had a few, uh, few opportunities to go overseas, but nothing that was... What kind of places would you play overseas? So there, I mean, there are leagues in, I mean, there's, the league in Japan is probably the oh, biggest Oh, yeah, I guess I didn't, one. I was thinking That's... more Europe, but yeah, I totally forgot but they, that. But you know, they have... The Asian countries are very big. Korea, China, but Europe too, man. Like, Italy's got a great league, France, uh, Belgium now has a league, you know, there's leagues in Latin America, there's Australia, Canada, so I mean, there's, yeah. there's leagues everywhere. But at the end of the day, it was... You know, I had spent so many years just trying to make it here, and it was it, it felt like the right time to just kind of part ways with it. It was hard. It was a brutal decision. You know, it was I was depressed. It was not great. And then you know, I you know love my parents. They basically said, you know, just find a job that is minimal right now, just so you can do what you and need to do. And this is right after high school. After college. Oh, after college. Because you did... Okay, yeah. You played in college, I right? I played in college. You went to... I will... So my fr- you, you were my, in Arkansas, right? Yeah, my freshman year, I went to the University of San Francisco. I was okay. a recruited walk-on there. Uh, and it wasn't anything against that program. I just didn't like San Francisco. It, yeah. it didn't give me the right vibe. It just wasn't the right people. I, I enjoy it, but I almost went to that school, too. And you I don't know, Yeah. Or, no, I guess San Francisco State. So if, they're right there. Okay, they're right they're there. But, but still, like, I don't know. The school vibe just, it was too history It's, it's for a beautiful me. It area, like, and it's like, it's a great place to be for a little while. Yeah. But it's not, growing up in LA, you're just, God, you're so spoiled. <laughs> you're so spoiled growing up here. There's not many places like this. Uh, but then I left there, I went to a junior college down here for a year. It was great, kind of got my feet back under me, and then Hendricks College in Arkansas, yeah. They, they, do they have like a renowned baseball team? Or, no. I mean, that's just like a... Arkansas. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's 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 not like the University of Arkansas by any means, but it's they're a smaller, they're a liberal arts school. Yeah. Academically, it was. I mean, I'd say it's as comparable as going to UCLA. Like it was, you know, we had. We didn't get any free passes like a lot of schools gave athletes. You know, mm-hmm. it, so it you was, you were a real student athlete. I was yes. It wasn't like the guys were just playing for the national. Yes, exactly. Where it was mm-hmm. like we'll just kind of coast you through. It was like. I mean, we had, like, if you didn't get, like, a 3.0, like, you were kind of, it was looked down upon, you know? So yeah. it was... Which, which is, is helpful for you, because it's, I mean, that's going to prep you for the real world. A lot of those athletes, that doesn't prep them for the real world. No, so unless but they once get again, you know, when you're 6'9", it's, you know, I don't know how much prepping you have to do for the real world. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. You know, it's... But, but that's what I'm saying, like, at that point, you kind of, I mean, I guess maybe that point would be a little later is when you figured out you didn't want to, you weren't going to continue that route. So no, it's helpful I, that you, you went yeah. and were diligent about schoolwork. I wish I would have gone back. It. I wish I would have studied something else. I studied political science. I saw that. You did which was, that which was great. And I learned an amazing amount of you know useful writing skills. That's all we did was write papers. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very political. I enjoy talking politics. But 
it wasn't like true passion. If I could go back, I'd much rather study something a little more creative, mm-hmm. journalism, creative writing, something like that. But you know, yeah, we make our choices. We make our choices. You live with them. Um, it's okay. Did school, did baseball, graduated, and then that brings us to where you're like, I may go overseas. Yes, I may go overseas. Uh, I had an opportunity in Canada. I had an opportunity in France. Um, the pay is, I feel like people should know about like overseas baseball, is it pays less than nothing. You know, it's, uh, that, was, that was my next question. It was, it was an excuse to travel, but it was also going to be a burden on my parents because they were basically going to have to support me. That's, I have, a, I have a friend that literally just left to go play football in Germany, and I, I don't know how much he's getting paid or what or how it goes. They're probably but, making a little bit more, I'd, but, I'd but assume. Still, it's, yeah, I mean, minus the limelight, like, you're not, I mean, you know, you're, you're basically making 1500 a month as an international baseball player, which is, you know, I guess depending on where you are, can go yeah. a long way or not at all, you know? But then, that does, does that include the off-season, too? No, you don't get paid in off-season. Okay, so, so it's seven months? Yeah, not even. It's six months. Six months, so... So it's, it's not a lot of money, and believe me, I was really considering doing it because I wanted to play, but it was... I had so many friends who were just kind of moving on with their life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was... They were graduating, they were getting jobs, and I felt like I was still struggling on what I wanted to do. Well, what, um, were, what were most of the friends doing? Are you talking about um, friends from college or friends from high school? Both. Yeah, but I had... I mean, I had a friend from high school, one of my best friends, he was... He, um, he right now is finishing up school at UC Riverside, mm-hmm. but it was, you know, he was a swimmer, so he was, a, he was an athlete, the same boat, and he really had aspirations to take this to, you know, I mean, I guess professional swimming is Olympic swimming, you know, I guess yeah. that's what it is, yeah. but it, it was one of those things where he was in the same boat and it was just that you come to that realization, I feel like every athlete who plays in college does, where there's, you're a freshman and there's that taste of, I'm here, if I work hard enough, I'll get a chance to go pro. When the, you know, realistically, it's, it's got to be less than 5% of the guys who play in college. And that, well, that, and that's, I, I had a similar kind of thing with skiing. Okay, and, so yeah. And it's, it's like once you go the college route, like, those other dreams are almost gone. Pretty much. Because skiing is yeah. also, the, the Olympics is. It's the professional skiing. Is the yeah, Olympics. and it's like, and then you, and then you realize, you know, it's not just guys from, you know, California or Arkansas doing it. It's everyone in all fifty states, plus every other country in the world. Yeah, and you, you, you realize that, you know, you, you put in a lot of hard work, but did you put in as much work as you could have? You know, did you, did you skip yeah. out on some social yeah. events that you probably, you know, it's just you, you look back on things like that and you're just kind of amazed at how, you know, I have a lot of friends who are still playing. I have a friend who's in the major league right now. I haven't spoken to him forever, so but. Uh, I have a lot of friends still playing very high levels of baseball, and they, yeah, they probably outwork you at a younger age. Yeah, they probably did. Which, I mean, yeah, sometimes you one because it's not like you're you're looking at a leaderboard, other than maybe how they're playing. But like you're, you're like, oh, this guy. I didn't realize this guy was at the gym yesterday at five a.m. Whatever it's, it be, it's it's a grind, and it's it's kind of hard to tell what how to compare yourself or what what the bar is set at where Absolutely. you need to start. And that's always a hard thing, and same thing with every anything you do in entertainment. Absolutely, I mean, but this you can kind of, especially with social media now, though, you can actually see where everyone else is. I mean, I don't post when I go to the gym in the morning, but <laughs> I know plenty of people I that do. I, I don't think I'll ever post if I no, go to the gym. No, no, no. It's people, not a good thing. But some people do, and so that that's one way to see how it is. I mean, you see the obviously this is different because the rock is a giant human, and 
I mean, he gets, I mean, that's like his thing. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If he, I was, he, he if was I was six five, two sixty of all muscle, I'd probably take a few snaps yeah. at the gym too. But <laughs> he's a different, bad day. Yeah, no. Everyone else, you can just shut the fuck up and. It just, it's just, you know what? I have a problem with people. There's gym etiquette. Yeah. Like there, there has to be people have to follow gym etiquette. Like, get off your phone at the gym. Unless you're changing to the next song. Yeah. Like, yeah. Get off your phone, dude. You don't need to look at Instagram between sweats. No. Otherwise, you're gonna be there for five minutes. Yeah. I fucking hate when when say one person they they lock down a bench and they're like, I'm gonna grab three different sets of weights so that I don't have to go get them next time, and they're just Ooh. letting them sit there. And I'm just like. Oh my god! It, maybe that's the price I pay for going to like twenty four hours, <laughs> as opposed to like Equinox or I don't know, man. I you know like I, I follow guys like Kevin Hart and they work out at Equinox, and it's like I feel like it's got to be a little bit exhausting. I feel like everyone there is just too good looking. Yeah, you know I, what I mean. Like, I worked. I, I did an event there the other day, and I was like, it was right after they're closed. I was just like looking around. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, you're, you're on the treadmill between two supermodels, <laughs> and it's just like I feel shitty about. Yeah, myself. right. Like, <laughs> How are they not sweating? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> my God. Uh, I know. It's, it's superhumans go to Equinox. Uh, okay, back on track a little bit. We were... Uh, so, how long How long between graduation date and maybe the decision to, to hang it up? About a year. A little less than a year. So, were you kind of like prepping or I anything? I was prepping. I was working. I, I took a job at my mom's school. It was an after-school gig. Oh, it was, cool. You know, it was four hours a day. Um, it basically gave me enough money to basically just kind of do my own thing at the time. And once I realized that I wasn't getting any looks from American scouts and it just kind of wasn't happening, I, I came to the conclusion that maybe this wasn't for me. You know, I thought I, hopefully one day, maybe I can get a job working in, you know, with sports, yeah. somehow be involved with athletes. You know, that's a cool concept that I'd love to explore one day, but I, I've always loved film. You know, being, uh, you know, my dad being who he is, he, I, mean, I was watching, you know, Gladiator. Well, he, he was, he was on the producer side, right? Not necessarily. Yeah, totally. He was a, he was a producer. He's a writer too, but he's, yeah. He any, was, any of his writing stuff ever pick up or? He actually hasn't, he actually started writing only about four years ago. Four years ago. He's developing a show right now with a good friend of his, uh, not allowed to give out any details. Yeah, he's, no develop, he's developing no a show with a friend of his uh, that I think is really interesting. Um, but yeah, like he he produced. I don't know if you ever saw Max Payne with Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, he produced that. Uh, do you remember Jack and the Beanstalk? Do you remember like the old movie that was like the late nineties? Jack. And yes, the it was movie? almost. It felt Maybe like early nineties. It felt like um, the same kind of like style as like Honey, I Shrunk, I Shrunk the, the Kids. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Did. That was one of his like first really? original oh, things. Yeah. Fuck, I, that, I just had like a nostalgic feeling. Right? You just go throw it back to your childhood? Yeah. 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 So he had a lot of films like that. Like he worked on this film called Oblivion, this like cool like sci fi film. And that that wasn't the one with Tom Cruise, was that? No, no. I maybe a, well there was a film maybe called Oblivion with Tom Cruise and Morgan Freeman. <laughs> I, maybe I, think. I can't remember who the But uh yeah. no, it was not the Tom Cruise film. This was film from the nineties. Okay. Um, yeah, he did a film called Venom and like oh five is horrible. He's worked a bunch. Um, but it was always the film knowledge that he passed on to me that, you know, it was, yeah, he, he, what, like the appreciation for film. Yeah. And it was, but it was, it was the ability to watch a film and talk about it in a sense that, you know, well, I remember we went, we'd always go see like Transformer films when they came out and, you know, other people would walk on that. Holy shit. That was fucking 
Oh, so I'm like, this. Well, and it was more like, we were just like, that kind of blew, dude. <laughs> I mean, the story had no, like, it, but, but that was me at 12, 13 years old we were that's, talking that's about. That's interesting. It. So it was, you know, I, like, we had, we had a great moment my senior year of high school. We just happened to be watching Jaws. Mm-hmm. And I think I can tell the story. I don't think it's conflict of interest by any means. But uh, we were watching Jaws, and the scene on the boat with a line mm-hmm. hit the, you know, Quinn has the fishing line in the, in the water and it starts going crazy. And we were talking about the, you know, how that scene was shot and why it was so brilliant. And the next night, I go to my friend's prom. Uh, she, go, she went to Campbell Hall. And we end up going to an after party at Steven Spielberg's house. Uh-huh. This is the, the next night. You can't make this shit up. The next night. And I'm sitting there. I'm in Spielberg's house. I'm looking at Steven Spielberg. There's like no one else around. I'm like, I got to talk to him. I got to talk to him. I'm going to bring this up. My dad's never going to believe me. But I brought it up. And we had like a nice 30-minute conversation about, about Jaws. This one scene. About this one About Jaws in total, how it was made and why it was so brilliant. But that one scene in particular. And it was, you know, I, I'm sure he's been approached by hundreds and thousands yeah. of people trying to spew knowledge at him. But I think he appreciated that a 17-year-old kid could yeah. see that in a film. Yeah. I think it made him happy realizing that, like, not just serious critics see my work. But it was, so it was cool. It was a cool moment that I first had that it was like, this industry is, this would be very cool to work in. Yeah. Know? Did it, was it, was that interac- interaction? Was it kind of like a one-off thing? Or do you guys, you know, do you oh, exchange course. cards? <laughs> no, it was a one-off thing. I mean, you understand, getting into this guy's house felt like getting into the White House. It was like, it was really? like, yeah, Security. it was, it was Security. Did he have like a, a kid that was in in high school? Yeah, so his daughter was dating a mutual friend. Okay. And she they invited a bunch of people back to the house. I mean the after party was like, you know, we watched a movie at Spielberg's house and it was but still it's just not bad. No, <laughs> not bad at all. It was great. It's like Spielberg, I was looking to fuck tonight, like <laughs> And it was like but it was it was so great. He was so humble and so nice. like you, you just think like you hear so many times like celebrities just such dicks and they're just they don't have patience for people. He couldn't have been he more welcoming nice. and more. And I don't. I mean, once again, this was his daughter's friend, so I don't know if that played a part in that. But that's funny. I friend. um, when I was doing a, a promo job in South by Southwest last year when Ready Player One came out, yeah, and so they had the premiere of that at the Paramount Theater at South by in Austin, and we we were since we were promoting Ready Player One, we were dressed up as the some characters from it, uh-huh. and we. They like selected a few of us, and I got to escort him on stage. That's amazing. So I, I, but I didn't get to speak a, a lick of anything to him because one, we have to stay in character, like yeah. in a costume, and two, they're like, "Yeah, don't talk to Spielberg." So, but it was just funny. Like, he's a small guy too. He's small. He's small guy. Yeah, I mean, he's. But it's just you. Just like you talk to him for thirty seconds, and you just realize like what a creative genius this guy is. Yeah. Like he can look. I feel like it's very rare that you get someone who can read a script and can see it at simultaneously. And I feel like he does that. He's one of those people who like, he reads a scene and visually he already understands what it looks like and how it needs to be shot. And it's like, I feel like that's, yeah. you know, so, uh, but that, so that sounds like one pivotal moment. Was there, was there, cause you said your dad didn't really maybe intentionally turn you onto the industry, but he, just growing up as being a dad. Oh, unintentionally films. it was, you know, undeniable. I mean, it was, yeah. I mean, it was my cousin who – it's funny. My cousin, he's a manager but for musicians, um, was a super talented rapper for a while. You know, was like rapping with LMFA. Like, I mean, he was like – you know, he was <laughs> – yeah. and his dad, my uncle, 
worked with you know MTV. He was in the visual production for Insomniac and a company that throws all yeah. the raves and stuff like that. So there, there's just there's been a connection to the entertainment industry in my family for you know for a long time. Uh, but I, th- I think the fact that I was so focused on baseball just kind of blinded me to that. I was gonna say, was it ever just kind of like a fallback kind of idea? No, you know, it was funny. I wanted to take acting classes for a while until I realized, number one, that I don't want to be like, I remember like thinking it for like, it was like, it was like a couple weeks. I was like, mom, like, what do you think? And she's like, I, you know, you could try it. And then it was like one of those things where it was, ah, shit, I forgot these guys have been doing this since they were like four. And like, they've been doing theater. And it's also just, it's intimidating. It's intimidating, but it's also just like, you have to be beyond talented. For the most part, for the mo- I'm not going to say that because there are some exceptions where it's yeah, like a pretty face, pretty face, or just lucky, just <laughs> straight lucky, man. Most people, you have to to be like a respected big time actor, a Leo, a Brad Pitt. You know, you have to be you good. Put in the hard work. You put in the hard work, but there's also just a natural like you. You just have a gift that can't be taught. Like Denzel, I get like Denzel. Like I'm sure that dude works his ass off, but there are guys like. I think, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think like, like The Rock. We were talking about The Rock. Like, yeah. The Rock is a personality. He's not the greatest actor. No. He, and I'm sure he's he'd be the thing. Fir- and I'm sure he'd be the first to say that like, I'm not the greatest until, actor. Until he does like a Christian Bale, like body change for a role. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to say he's I mean, a big come buff on. guy in a movie. And by the way, I will still pay to go see his movies. They are yeah. incredibly yeah. entertaining. Yeah, you know? absolutely. But... I, there's a lot, there's a lot more job opportunities in the, whether it be production, representation, whatever it is you want to be doing. Well, one thing, one thing that I've seen, I was, I was interested in acting a little bit out here. I still kind of am. I'm not sure exactly. But the one thing I've noticed, whether between talking with colleagues in acting as an actor and talking with colleagues in production or writing or whatever else the you are yeah. anything besides acting the acting side the only thing people ever have to talk about is what they're working on next but then in the production yeah. side it's it's way more collaborative it'll be like hey what do you um like you they you are approached about what you're working on it'll be like you know, if if you need if you're working a pa job and they're like hey do you know any other pas you reach out to someone and you know. That doesn't happen with acting. It's not like, oh. You, you have, have to, well, it's like, you have, you have to be a little more selfish. Yes. You have, as an, as, well, as a struggling actor, that is. Yes. You know, I'm sure that once you make it, it it's, just feels less collaborative. And you yeah. don't, and it's more secretive. It's as, as it probably should be, I guess, in a sense where if you're working for a company, it's, you know, we're doing this and, you know, I, we'd love your input on this or, but yeah, no, the, trying to grind it out as an actor and in some ways, it's similar to trying to grind it out as an athlete. You know, it's like until it you ma- until you make it, man. It's it's a free for all, and it's a, it's it's a shit show. And the same thing with with athletes is some that some people just have God given talent that you, you just can't teach. No, you, there there are the Lebrons, the Leos that they're, they're just yeah. yes, they put in the hard work, and that's why they're the great. They're like amongst the greatest ever. Yes. Even if they didn't work as hard, they'd still be incredibly successful. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They're just, there's just a gift. Yeah. And some people, most people don't have it. <laughs> we just haven't found it yet. <laughs> we haven't found it yet, but but that's why we're going to be successful in other things. Yes, exactly. Podcasting and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully management. But yeah, you know. right? Um, okay, so what, helping out with mom, um, 
how long were you were you at the the school? Um, that was probably six months. Six months. I'd say about six months. Um, when was how, when was that? Twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen? That was twenty seventeen. Okay. That was twenty seventeen. That was right after I graduated. Mm-hmm. So it was, yeah, I was and there then, for about six months. And so you did that six months, um, and then was it right after that you went to Appian? Pretty yeah, pretty close after we there was a uh, a mutual friend who works at Appian who gave me a summer internship. Mm-hmm. And that and was what was their role at, the, at Appian? What was my role or no, their the role? Uh, the person who they are the president of production. Oh okay, so there, I was yeah. like. I didn't know if they were like another intern. I was like, no, 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 no. no, no. Yeah. So they're head of production. Head of production, at, at and the... they uh, friends of my mom, and they, I, you know, I expressed interest of uh, going to, I, you know, I, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do in the entertainment industry, and I was producing. I, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to do something. I wanted to be creatively. I loved film and television. I was like, let's give this a shot. Uh, summer internship went great. It was, you know, it was, it was, you know, busy work. Was it standard stuff like coverage or anything? Or uh, I wrote, yeah. I don't, it was interesting. I didn't write many coverages. A lot of summaries, not coverages. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, a lot of script reading, office work, you know, just, I needed office experience. I never had that. Uh, and they gave me that and I was really grateful. And then one of the, uh, the assistants there at the time was kind of in transition on the way out. And I was talking to Brillstein at the time about going there to work in the mailroom. Um, basically, they caught wind of that and asked if I'd like to stay. So they, they swooped you before they did that kind of thing. Kind of, yeah. But it was very much, you know, it was they were, you know, we 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 like you, you're a good yeah. fit, we'd like you to stay. And I was, you know, I was really humbled by that. I was like, wow, I didn't really that know that. Cool. I was, yeah. And so, of course, I said yes. You know, it's an unbelievable opportunity, but. Working there long enough, you, you kind of figure out – when you work in a production company like that, one that is really, really well-respected and, you know, very busy. You know, if, you, if, you, if you're not really like, I want to be a producer, I'm going to work in production, like, it's not the place for you, you know? And it, it was very clear to me probably about six, seven months in that I was like, you know, maybe producing – it's not for me. Okay. It's not for me. And so there is – is Appian – so we'll first say it. So Appian is – Leo's company. Leonardo, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio for anyone that doesn't think there's Leo out there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's his company. So basically, with the exception of a few, mostly produces, helps produce a lot of his movies. Mm-hmm. So like they did like Revenant, they did... Um, Revenant, Runner Runner. Um, I'm trying to think of more like Leo films that they did. Aviator, right? Aviator. Um, I wasn't. I'm not sure if they did Gangs of New York. I think because it was. It was. It started in o three o four. So it was like right around when Gangs of New York came out. Mm-hmm. Maybe right after Gangs of New York came out, he started acting. Um, Orphan. I don't know if anyone's seen the movie. Yeah, the, Orphan, the, the, the horror, horror film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a big one. But with so so, are they doing mostly um, producing or management as well? It's all. It's only producing. Okay. Appian strictly a production, production. company. Okay. Uh, they're, uh, they're managed by LBI by Rick Yorn, mm-hmm. who's also Leo's manager. So you don't want to say it's like a. Th- those companies are very close. They work very well okay. together. There's a lot of connections. There. Throw, throw each other a bone. You know, do that kind of thing. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> they just. There's a lot of projects in the works are done between these. Two. Okay. Um, but so yeah, you said you did this, the six month stint or seven month stint, and you were like. Yeah, it was just it, it was you you see what goes into being a producer. Now also I've what I've learned is there are 
so many different kinds of producers. You know what yeah. I'm saying? They're, you know, but the, there is a certain grind and a certain, you know, amount of work that goes into being, a, uh, you know, an executive at a production company, which I'm all for. But if you're not, when a lot of work is involved and you're not passionate about the work, then it becomes, you know, I don't want to say annoying, but it's, you're not, you're, you're not giving it your all. You know what and, I mean? and then it goes back to being jo- a job and not the thing that you enjoy. Exactly. And I remember talking with one of the executives who's also – he works on the documentary side of Appian, but he's also a manager at LPI. He was talking about what managers do and guiding someone's creative career is the best way he described it, which really stuck with me was that you find people, people that you believe are super talented. Now it's easier obviously – if you're part of a Brillstein or a Management 360 or Three Yards, something like that, you bring them on and you start finding them work. Hopefully they have an agent. If not, you help find them an agent. And you start finding them work and you build their careers from the ground up. And that was something that really interests me. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, I, I never wanted, I don't want to be an agent because the agents, it's a little more political and it's a little more corporate. Well, so, how do how do managers take a cut? So standard, I think, is fifteen percent. Okay, so it's about I think similar to. I think agents are agents are ten percent. I think okay. you know, but it's managers, from my own experience, develop a bigger personal yeah relationship with their clients. You know, when something is going at least, and this is what I learned a lot from my cousin who's a manager in the music industry. When something personal is going on in your in their you know, client's life, it's they call a manager. It's almost like a, a, a mix between a, a PR agent and Very similar. A, an agent. Absolutely. Very yeah. similar. Think you know, it's, and it's, some people have all three. But the, the, when, you're, when you're big enough, you have an attorney, you have a publicist, you have a manager, and you have an agent. Sometimes yeah. multiple of each. You know, yeah. it's just, there are people that need to manage your life when you become a certain, yeah, amount, a certain amount of fame. And do something you. stupid. Exactly. <laughs> you know? So it's like, but I, for me, it's, I'd love to start managing stand-ups. Okay. I'd love to manage like directors and actors. Those are like my mm-hmm. kind of bread and butter is what I want to do. Um, but you, I mean, have you ever had an interest in comedy for yourself, or you just you're just a fan of comics? And, well, I've I've always been a huge fan of comics. Um, I've written a bunch of uh, stand up bits. Okay, and did I've, you perform it? No, I gave them to a bunch of friends of mine performing <laughs> it. I did they do well? Did they, they did well. Yeah, they did well. Um, and they're still pursuing stand up comedy. Okay. Um, and you know, once they once I have my foot in the door at Brillstein, hopefully, a couple years from now, working on up. Yeah. You know, and they're still young. I feel like, especially with stand ups, you don't see a lot of stand ups break out before they're thirty, thirty five. No, 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 no. And so, these are people that you know I've known for a long time, and I have a lot of friends I've known for a long time who want to be writers, yeah, trying to be actors and directors, and it's like. I'm in a position to help them, and they're in a position to help me. Like, let's go to the top. Cool. Yeah. So, would th- would that ever be an interest for you now? Then to to maybe pursue either comedy writing for for stand up, or maybe. Um, well, the best part about being a manager is that you also get to be attached as producers. You know, okay. agents do not. There's a big plus in that. So it's like when you're if you if you have a client who is writing a show, and you're their manager, and you help them develop the show. You can get a producer's credit. Okay. You can be involved in the writer's room. You know what I'm saying? There's, yeah. You can be way more involved as, you know, but if you're not, if you're a, if you're an agent, you have no say in the matter. No. So that's why management okay. is something I really want to pursue. Yeah. Um, have you have you written other stuff 
Yeah, yeah no, so I've, I written, just... I've written a bunch. Um, actually finishing up a project right now with one of my brother's friends. Um, can't talk about too much yeah. about what it is. Uh, but it is a a drug cartel Sicario-esque thriller with yeah. a little bit of a twist to it. But it's, you know, there's there's just a lot of freedom to pursue different things when you're not really bound by it. Yeah. What's, what, what would be the plan with that? Just to get it in front of the right people? So, yeah, the, the plan would be to get it in front of the right people and then just hopefully, because he is also an actor, you know, he's obviously attached to play the lead, but um, it's really... It's really about once I'm, I have a firm foot in the door because the best part about being in a company like Bullstein is they're a production entity as well. They can finance pretty much anything, you know, and a lot of their clients have their own production companies, you know, they have their own writing partners. So once you get someone at that company interested, they go, I have the per- perfect person to write this, you know, because I'm not looking, you know, this is a first draft take, you know, this is, I wrote this on, we wrote this on spec, so it was just kind of an idea, but Anything that people have at companies like that, especially low-level assistants, mailroom people, mm-hmm. you come up with a great idea, there's talent everywhere, you know? So if you're at a company like this, you basically pitch it to a manager. If they like it, they take it to a client they think would really dig it. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that client goes, wow, that's a great idea. I'm going to run with that. Hopefully a year later, yeah. you got yourself yeah. a movie, you know? Yeah. <laughs> See, that's how it gets, that's how it gets I, made. Man. And I think, I'm sure... Because you, you already mentioned you did a lot of writing in high school. Sorry, college. College, um, tons. tons and I'm sure it may have been in script format as it is now. No, I did take a screenwriting class in college, though, which was interesting. Uh, and the entire, it was a semester course, and the entire thing was literally writing a screenplay. Yeah, yeah. And that was the first real one I ever did. Uh And, I, and I, in the beginning, I thought, how hard could this be? Like, let's take a screenwriting class. Yeah. Easy A. Hardest A I've ever had. Honestly, hardest A I've ever come but by. But you got one. I got an A. I got a ninety. So <laughs> I got a ninety. A, a big curve there. Well, what he what he didn't tell us was that it has to be a minimum ninety page script, and my script was ninety one pages. And uh, so you know, it's blown on that one. That would have been embarrassing getting a B in screen. Yeah, right only uh, because you didn't do it long. Enough. Yeah, and it was, but it was one of those things where I didn't realize. You know, you think about writing a short story. You can bang out a short story in 10 pages, and there's an idea, boom, it's done. But, like, I mean, writing a screen, I mean, that's tough. It, is it can not still be a short story, but expanding it like that. Because yeah. I, 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 I write, too, so I know how it is. It's just like it's brutal. The show, or, yeah, show tell. Oh, or yeah. show not tell. Show not tell. And it's just like, yeah, it's just like, fuck, why can't I just say they are cold? <laughs> like, uh, it's, that's what I'm thinking. It's it's accurate, but, of course, I can't fucking put that. No, so. no, no. Yeah. But it's fun, though. It's challenging, but it's fun. Absolutely. Um, back in, I guess in terms of, so Brillstein, so you, they they were interested in making an offer when you were at it. Um, when I was at Appian. Yeah, Appian. Yeah. And then um, did your stint, and then was it, did you just, you know, you had someone up there again, and you were like, hey, do you guys still have Yeah, so I, I knew management was for me now. You know, that was, and I, there were, my bosses at Appian were, more than helpful they were you know what can we do to help blah blah and i was like well comedy is something that's interesting to me but i also love horror you know and i you know they're brillstein's a company that's really kind of broad in the sense of what they offer and i reached out to the woman i was in contact with uh how did, and how'd you how did you land contact with her 
She was the person that was talking to me initially when mm-hmm. I reached out. Um, still had her email, still had our conversations. So I reached out again, basically saying, like, listen, I am super interested. My time here in Afghanistan has been amazing. I've learned so much. Um, but management is something I want to pursue. And she was more than so she hooked me up with a few interviews with some managers there uh, that went really well. But what the managers were telling me is they like to hire from within. You know, they like which to, it sounds like that's often most places. Most places, and which and I was a little bitter at first, but I, then I think about it, you're like I totally understand why. You know, so you want proven someone track record. proven track record, but you want someone who's familiar with the company. Yeah, you just want someone that you've gotten to know over the like over the past year or whatever. So I, I totally get that. Mm-hmm. And I, I told her I was like, listen, I would love a position as like a floater for mailroom, whatever you have. So that's what she was like. Absolutely, we have that. And so yeah. that's it. I'm excited to start that. Yeah, so that starts next week. Next right? week, Monday, the 15th. Damn. I can't wait. Um, and so how long ago? You just finished up at um, Appian last week? Finished up at Appian last week. Off week this week. Going to relax. Doing a cleanse. You know, <laughs> doing the LA it, thing. Eat as much as you can right now because then the next however long you just won't be able to eat, right? Oh, working uh, 14 well, hours. Uh, actually, I don't know. It's, I don't know if the days are that long. I yeah. Think that is it... Is it going to be, um, I mean, have you done a contract yet? Like how long does it run through? I think, I don't, I don't think there's a time frame. On they don't do it like that. I don't think they do a time frame on it. No, I think it's basically you work there until you, you, you move yeah. up or you get fired. Yeah. <laughs> That's one, one or the other. You know, there's only two options. Yeah, right. Up or out. Exactly. Um, so. Was there, and, and not to, not to put this in a, in a bad way, but was there, was there help at all from your dad um, in terms of connections or meeting people? Of course. All, all the time? Of course. I mean, it's uh, my mom too. You know, it's just, um, there are people, I used to be a little embarrassed about it. Like, yeah. But like, you know, it's like, you, you don't want to believe that you couldn't get there on your own. But for the most part, most people can't get there on their own. It's hard. And if you know you have, someone. And if you have connections, use them, whatever they may be. You know, I had great connections. And I use them and it was, and it's beneficial and it's, it's completely unfair. It's, it's the entertainment industry is very, you know, relationship driven. Yeah. You work with people who you like and you want to be around. Yeah. Well, well in the, that makes sense. That makes sense. But it's also usually, you know, the people you like and want to be around are usually the people that you've known for a while. Yeah. They're your friends. And yeah, I mean, it, it is, it is. Put it this way. 20 years from now, if you have a son. Who yeah. wants to be in management? And I'm a big time manager. Yeah, right. And you hit me up, and I'd be like, Kurt, I'd yeah. love to give your son a posi- like, like an assistant yeah. position. And like, that's just how that's that's how that works. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? The kid from rural North Dakota who wants to make it in Hollywood is gonna have a hard time. It's an inspiring dream, but it's <laughs> it's tough. And, it, and 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 I feel the same way. I don't I, I don't necessarily have the same connections with you per se, but I I do have people that I've reached out to. Um, and I've just found being persistent, especially, yeah. especially because it's, it's, it's kind of a distant friend from like my mom or something like that. Yeah. Or, or I've met people somehow and, and you know, I've, I've never really asked for a job. Sometimes they'll be like, Hey, are you, are you ever hiring for PAs? Yeah. And I mean, do it yeah. that way. But sometimes you just, you just talk to them and they're like, Hey, I've got something going on this week. Are you free? Can you come work? Yeah. And, and it, it works that way. But it's definitely, yeah. It's I have not like had the it. pleasure of doing the PA thing. It's fun. I mean, it's... It's a grind. It's a grind, but it's just funny because there's so many of these entry-level jobs that everyone hypes up and make them sound so hard to get, which they are. 
But once you start working them, you're like, this is the f- so easy. Like some some things are easy. Some things. <laughs> some, are things. Easy. some things are easy. It takes like. I mean, just driving a cube truck, like, a lot of people would be terrified to drive a 22-foot Penske truck or something like that, or just, you know, running to set up crafty, or just, I mean, learning all the terms. Don't underestimate the power of phone calls, man. I've had some wicked phone calls before. It's just like you, the first time I had to answer a phone by myself at Appian was like, I I wanted to, like, I almost dropped the phone out so nervous. It was like, one of those things, you're just like, I don't know what to say, like. But, I mean, that shit goes away in, like, you know, a week or something. But yeah. it's, it's, you just have to. But, no, hey. there's no way, like, I would be ready for, like, the, the grind of, like, on-set PA work where it's, like, 16-hour days. And, yeah, like, it does get rough. But, it's I mean, it's nice because you'll be, you'll be working two weeks and then off a week or something. Yeah. But you do have that flexible time. Um, but it, it is, I mean, it's, it's, it's in... It's, very comparable to executive assistant or floater. Um, but that's a, that's what you'll be doing, right? As a floater, is more just like an assistant around wherever they need you. Yeah, but you fill in, like, when a certain assistant is out, you fill in on their desk. Or, right. You know, you, you honestly, I, what I expect is to do whatever is asked. Like, it's yeah. just kind of like you just, and that's, you put in your time. You put in your time long enough to get rewarded. That's just how it works. And it's, it's so hard just to, I ha- okay, so I had this one experience at, when I was working at Sundance Film Festival, uh-huh. and it was late at night, it was they, they would throw part. It was it was at like a PA work, and there was right. a party at the end of the night. It was like a premiere party for I can't remember who who it was for, but some of my superiors, you know, they relaxed. They had a few drinks during the night, and towards the end of the night, we have to set up and reset the area right, right. for the next day. And they, and you know, they're I don't want to say they're blackout drunk, but you you can tell that they're inebriated. Absolutely. And, like, I was trying to do my best to set up the area, trying to take the orders they were giving me, and I just, like, lost it, and I told the person who was sober, but kind of next in the chain of command, I was like, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll do it tomorrow morning. I was like, but I'm not taking these orders right now. And I had a conversation with someone higher up the next day and told her about it, and she's like, she's like, I understand that's that's frustrating. She's like, but did you at any point just think, you know what, maybe I should just get this done and put it in the groundwork? Like, it sucks, and that shouldn't be a situation that you have to go through, but imagine how good it's going to look if you just persevere through it and make sure the job gets done. Yeah. And so, obviously, that may not happen in, in the office as, a, as an executive assistant, or maybe it will. To yeah, where honestly, someone's fucked what, I up have, and, what I have come to understand about this industry is expect anything. Yeah. Because... I've heard stories of assistants who had to pick up people at the airport at 1 a.m., who you got to drive 40 miles to get a certain lunch. It's just stuff that you shouldn't have to do that's pretty unreasonable. But you know what? The bosses did it. Their bosses did it. They're, like, it's just it, – it's a I, – I hopefully one day, if I'm lucky enough to have an, have an assistant, I'm going to try and not be a dick. Yeah. You well, it's, it's kind of like – because you you didn't you, you weren't in a fraternity at all. No, well, I mean I was on a was, sports. I was going to say was baseball was a little bit like that. No, we had our we had our house. We had our yeah thing, you know? yeah. Okay. So, but it's it it is so much like that, and it's interesting because obviously it doesn't have the same kind of ritualistic hazing things as some houses do. No, but it still has this tradition tradition that you have to go through in order to to make it where you want. Sometimes it's you know pledge ships a semester, but sometimes. 
your bloodship in entertainment is longer than a semester. <laughs> I mean, and, yeah, they're... But it's just interesting oh. how that doesn't make it into the light, which it shouldn't have to. I mean, it's it's not unethical or... Maybe, uh, you know what? I'm, tre- I'm treading lightly. You're right? treading lightly, and as you should, because it's, there are definitely, we're, we're not, it's, it's, put it this way. You work for a boss, they have a lot of responsibility. Their job is not easy, it is difficult. When you understand where they're coming from, where it's like, listen, you know, you get fired, you find another assistant job. You already have the, you can get another assistant position. You get fired as an executive, or a manager, or an agent. Kind of a black mark, you know. It's like one of those things where like you couldn't get the job done. So there, you you have to really, as an assistant, understand like where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. It's not personal. Ninety five percent of the time, it's not personal <laughs> because there are certain. Yeah, of course there are. If you don't like your assistant, then it's it's a tough match. Yeah, but most of the time they're just they're they're crunching and they just they need you to just be on top of your shit. Yeah, it's like I get that. I totally get that. And it, it does actually, it does become fun when you have these Especially when you get ridiculous tasks. Yeah. Like, I, I had to go get the, the last week an event that we had to, the DJ, we had to get their, you know, their vendor list for their green uh-huh. room. And when I brought it back, it was, this DJ, I mean, they're not, I don't, I don't know who they are, but it was an $800 list. And I came back and cause they got like, Two bottles of 1942 Don Julio and like all this random. They wanted a Big disposable bottle. camera, and I brought it back. And my boss like looked at it and he's like, speechless. I was like, this was what was on the list. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, it's like yeah, next time just I'll circle the stuff we should get. He's like, if, if we don't, they don't need all this. <laughs> but it was just funny. It's like I've I've heard stories of some like food fighters. They request um a uh, a package of clean Calvin Klein underwear at every show. So after they do their thing, they just throw on some new underwear after the after I the mean, show. That's you're a, the Foo Fighters. You can do anything you want. Yeah, I would do that too. I was like, fuck, I, I could always use some clean underwear. I mean, that's just like, come on. like Add a, a set of who knows what. I mean, I, mean, I shrunk the kids. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, when you make it big enough at one point, you can just demand anything yeah, you want. Yeah, just like, a, see what you can get away with. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, yeah. Unless you have anything else you'd like to chime in, you want your. I mean, we're kind of up to date. You're starting next week. Starting next scene. week. Yeah. Um, um, working on your own solo project. Uh, I have a few projects in the work. There was the one that I I really want to see is, and I, I'm I'm not working on this, but I don't know. The as someone who played collegiate baseball, I I want to see. A bigger investigation into the NCAA. That's like my big thing that I want to see. I know they've done documentaries about it, but like there needs to be like a, a lean kind of Like I feel like people don't understand how corrupt the NCAA is and how awful of an organization it is. I, I don't. Like, I I will say that out fucking loud any <laughs> day of the week because I experienced it. We had, you know, we just watched March Madness. My senior year, they had an NCAA rep come to our school and tell us if they found out that we bet on March Madness. Hendricks College doesn't even qualify for March Madness. We had, I had no affiliation with any player on any team in that tournament. If they found out that we placed any bet, not even bet, filled out an online bracket on ESPN, 
one year suspension. The whole school? No, no, no. Or the, the whole team or you, just you? You. You cannot play for one year. It's a little... I, for me, that's just horseshit. Did you fill it out? Or did you? Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course I did. You know what I'm saying? Like it was that would have been bad if you won. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine? I've won millions of dollars, and it's like, ah, well, bittersweet. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, but it was just like this is a this is an institution that gives the argument, oh, we're giving them a free education. Why should we have to pay them? Mm -hmm. Because kids aren't going to the University of Alabama, you know, if they're football players for the education. It's the most. They're there because it's the quickest track to the NFL. Yeah. And they and people don't understand most of the people that work at the NCAA who are the decision makers never played high level athletics like that. They're businessmen. Mm-hmm. Which I understand. You want to make a profit, you gotta be stingy, and I, I understand that. But you know, players bring in I feel like at the University of Michigan, each player is worth half a million dollars. Maybe more, seven hundred fifty thousand yeah. dollars a year. They're worth. Give them something. A lot of these kids come from nothing, and yeah, they're giving. It's a free education. They still gotta pay rent. So, yeah, I was gonna say there's so many other they gotta expenses. Eat. Like, do, like you know how much those guys eat? Like, seriously, man, these guys are eating five to seven thousand calories a day. You know, they're they're they are professional athletes in the sense of what's demanded of them. The amount of you know how many games you play, the workout regimen. Yeah. Oh yeah, by the way, just tackle a full-on you know, University of Michigan education while you're at it. Or UCLA education. Yeah. Or Stan- Guys who play at Stanford, like, dude, come on. Not everyone is like on a track like Richard Sherman where it was just like easy to have a 4.0 GPA. You know, yeah. Some guys can do that. Some guys can just there we go. manage That's a, the both. Back on the just God-given talent of both. God-given talent of both. But it's just one of those things where it blows my mind that they – have the audacity basically to say like what what are you whining about we gave you a free education a couple sweatsuits you know and it's like dude, Swag like, the next. like if you come from a home where like you're really really poor i had friends who came from homes it was like they went they went nights without eating now by the end like you help them out and it's like but like it's an ncaa violation for a coach to buy a player a meal yeah oh what is that that was that's like Damn. like a coach could get kicked out of school for that. That's pretty. That's an NCAA violation. If you come from, if you're a kid from Southern California and you go to like University of Illinois to play football, unless it's, you go meet with the coach or something. Well, no. It's, if you come from Southern California, you're obviously not ready for that weather. You're not used to that weather. If you don't have like a winter jacket, you're from Mammoth, right? I mean, yeah. You get, dude, it gets cold, and you need proper clothing to go outside. If a coach is like, oh, like, I'll just buy you a winter coat, $60 coat, and the coach is making, I don't know, a couple million dollars a year. So it's nothing to him. That's an NCAA violation. Like, there are people think, like, in my opinion, now, obviously, do not take this the wrong way, but there's, like, in terms of corruption, like, the NRA is probably number one. NCAA is like four or five. And just in terms of if you're a kid who comes from nothing and you blow out your knee, you should be able to finish school free. 
I feel like that school can support you long enough. You know, I, these schools have endowments of billions of dollars. Yeah. Well, you get, you gave your heart and soul for a year and a half and you blew out your knee and it's it's not looking like you're going to go pro. We'll honor your scholarship and you can get a free education. That, that That's the tie in the, the whole scam with, you know, parents getting their kids in as well. You know, oh, dude. That, that not was, to mention that. that That's even... That was fucking... Well, just... I'm, I'm curious to see how long that is before someone turns that into a film or... Like, exactly. You know, Next and, year. Probably, Aaron Sorkin's yeah. going to write that one. <laughs> they're that's already... Be, they're yeah. already looking for writers and, and getting writers. Oh, I'm sure, man. But just between those two, that that is a, a big story. I'm sure you'd want to make it two different things, but still. That's two two big stories out there that... It should be told. Like, yes, should be told. Fucking it. Well, cool. I always um wrap it up with a non-traditional piece of advice. Absolutely. Um, I always right put on people me. on the... So I, I'm not, you're, oh, you're giving me the, I'm giving you the advice. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I know it's a last minute. Um, yeah, but okay. let's see, I, my, my all time favorite that I, I always bring up is, um, Gavin Allen on the podcast said, always be the first person to buy a round of drinks at the bar. Um, that's a great, that's a great, you know what? That's a great one. I will, I will, you know, I'll repeat that. Yeah. Uh, that's a great piece of advice. Um, Never wear a tie to an interview. Oh. I gotta be honest. I've come across that many times before. I like that. I don't think you should ever wear a tie to an interview. I just, for, I mean, but given that we're different, different, I don't think it was like, you know, labor production fabrication. Yeah. And I didn't wear one. I just wore a, a polo shirt. I, I have been told by some pretty high up people, be comfy, look like you know what you're doing, but don't overdo it. Like, mm. don't wear the tie. And it's served me well so far. And I got to be honest, like, ties are for events, not for interviews. Okay. Yeah, I like that one. That's going to be one of the ones I repeat in the next episode. Don't wear a tie to an interview. Don't wear a tie to an interview. That's a it good says, one. It says, it says something pretty, it says something about yourself that you're pretty self-confident, yeah. you know? Yeah, right? Damn. I'm just analyzing it all. Like, fuck. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. So when wow. you're interviewing some kid 20 years from now, yeah. you're like... Oh, dude, he was right, man. I'm gonna hire this. And one. then, and then his last name is gonna be Faye. I'm gonna be like, oh, like, no fucking way, man. <laughs> That's great. Well, awesome. Thanks for uh, doing this quick hour with me. Absolutely, appreciate it. Um, if I don't see you next before Brill scene, good luck. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you.